Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, The Bible in Public High School. In today's episode of the podcast, we are going to have a conversation with a public high school Bible history teacher, Mr. Ald, um, and we're going to ask him a bunch of questions about his job as a Bible history teacher. We're going to dive into how a Bible course is allowed in a public high school, how the Bible course can be history or literature, and how we can justify going through a class like that, uh, the benefits and importance of a class surrounded by the Bible, and we're going to talk about the skills that you can gain from a Bible history class. We also talked to Mr. Ald just about why he still teaches, his philosophy of teaching, and advice that he would have for another Bible history teacher or teacher in general. I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Mr. Ald, and I hope that it prompts some questions for you, like if you would want to be a part of a Bible history class, or if there's even a purpose to them, if they should be allowed or not. I hope this conversation gives you insight into a person that has been teaching the class for a long time and has seen the hard things and the benefits of the class. I encourage you to look for yourself online and uh, in your community to see if this is something that you're okay with um, or even would enjoy being a part of. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mr. Ald. Hey, Mr. Ald. Thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast. Just so that everyone can have a little bit of context of who you are and what you do, I was wondering if you could explain what your job is and what you teach and what that means. I've been teaching here about this is my fifth year teaching uh, at, as a Bible history teacher. And the, um, what we do is we simply just teach the Bible in the context of history. That's simply what we do. Uh, what we're kind of hoping for all of us that at the end of the, the course that the kids have this working understanding of the Bible. Now, the way we do it in our district is we actually have four courses that go through different parts of the Bible. So like Bible one is Genesis to Ruth. Bible two is actually the Gospels. Bible three is the uh, rest of the Old Testament. Bible four is the rest of the New Testament. So if you take all four courses, you will kind of have done like a survey through the entire Bible. Um, the course was actually started about 25 years ago. Uh, in the district. And uh, the thinking was, you know, I, some people may, may or may not know this, but Bible is actually taught in public school for many, many years. I have a assistant principal on staff here, and he talks about how that was just part of the course of study that they had. Um, just to give you a little history about me, um, I was, uh, when I was hired, I was actually hired by Statesville High School. Uh, and I was supposed to be teaching um, a course at Statesville High School and then a course at Monticello, which is an alternative school. And then what happened was um, the principal here at Lake Norman found out that there was a Bible history teacher. So he asked me to teach here as well. So my first year I was uh, starting here at Lake Norman and then I would travel up to Monticello and then I would finish the day in Statesville. So I was at three different schools. And at the same time, I was a lot of elementary teachers. So I was teaching at three different schools, three different environments, uh, and I was a lot of entry teacher. So I was also having to uh, take my courses. So I was basically doggy paddling basically all year. And 
the same time, all the curriculum I taught, I was after uh, kind of created from scratch. There were guys that have taught um, in the other schools and they gave me some things to help me out, but it was on me to uh, just create it all. So there was nothing that was like, there's not like a curriculum that was out there. I just had to create it as, um, as I went along. And what I found pretty quickly was that each high school was so different. You know, uh, Lake Norman um, is a very uh, predominantly affluent school. Um, and then Monticello, where it was just all over the map, you know, I had students that were homeless, students that were dropouts trying to finish school, students that were, uh, some were there by court order, they were wearing uh, ankle monitors. So, you know, it was just very different there. And then what Statesville, and Statesville is like a, our version of an, a uh, low income school. Uh, so it just, that was what I, kind of how I started. Um, and then, after my first year, the enrollment uh, took off here at Lake Norman. Uh, I've got like 205 spots and I had, I think about 300 kids request to take it the next year. And pretty much, pretty much after the first year, I will have 350, 400 students and make this their first choice. 800 students combined um, taking this. We could really could have like an extra, we could actually use another Bible teacher here. Uh, so this is kind of how I uh, end up here. Courses evolved over the years, uh, kind of as I learned uh, to teach, but also as I learned um, student needs and, you know, the school environment that I was in, you know, I've just kind of like gradually developed it. And, um, you know, even this year, it's been a COVID thing. So we've had to do a completely different. So um, that's kind of how I got into this. Um, so a Bible class is essentially teaching the history of the Bible. But when people think about um, when they hear Bible class and they hear public school, not like a Catholic school or a private Christian school, I feel like the first thing that they think of is like, how does that work with church and state and like the constitution and how, okay. how, how is that allowed in a public school? And so, in so I'll address that. I got to tell you every, just about everybody that I speak to you, they have a hard time just like you believe in. Uh, that I'm teaching public uh, Bible in a public school setting. And there are, um, I wrote this down, there are about like three different things that we do to, that uh, address what the concerns are because you've got the separation of church and state. So first thing that everybody needs to understand, it's a life of course. Uh, it falls under the, I do fall under the uh, history, pro, uh, history department, excuse me, social studies. Uh, but they, it's not a required course like, you know, uh, civics or American history one and two and those sorts. And then there's, you know, obviously the history department does have uh, beyond that uh, electives that you could take, you know, like AP courses and so forth. Second thing, and uh, this is the uh, kind of the critical one most people aren't aware of, is we're actually funded by an outside organization. It's called the Iredell Statesville Schools Bible Association. <clears throat> and this is predominantly churches and businesses that provide the majority of our salary. There's, uh, I think there's five of us that teach in the county. I'm one, fortunately, I'm one of two teachers that could do this full time. But at the other three schools, uh, they, they teach like, I'm trying to think, they'll teach like civics, 
a couple civics courses, maybe one Bible history course, just because of the enrollment we have here uh, and at North Iredell, uh, me and the other teacher are, are permitted to teach, you know, full time. Uh, the third thing is, and this is the probably the other critical part, uh, is, and I, I let the students know this very clear that I'm not going to be preaching, I'm not going to be giving altar calls, I'm not going to be asking them to join a church, particularly mine. One of the things I had to do, and I, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, I, I was a pastor for you know 25 years, mostly a youth pastor, but I did have credentials, and in order to teach at the uh, Bible history at the school, you have to surrender those credentials so that you are not perceived to be um, as trying to you know, get the students to attend your church or to believe the way you do. So what I let them know is I won't be doing any of um, any of that stuff that feels like a church. I don't preach at it and so forth. And the other thing I let them know is that they're very, I want them to express uh, their beliefs, whatever it is, you know, uh, very open, honestly, I want them to respect each other. And so the students know uh, I, um, that I will give that respect to them and they know I expect that from them. I've had a few instances where students were, um, can get a little, they can get close to crossing a line of disrespect. Not so much that, <clears throat> it wasn't so much a belief thing um, about what they believed as far as their religious beliefs, but sometimes we'll get into subjects like, and they're tough ones to tackle, but you talk about, uh, one would be homosexuality. And we had a conversation about it one day and I have students in my class that either openly homosexual or their closet. And student made a comment that was perceived to be as kind of like a bullying kind of comment. And I had to address that with that student. And that was probably one of my first years teaching here. So I've had to learn to just, when we go into talking about, you know, particularly things that in our culture that probably clash with the Bible, uh, just to help them understand, this is just what the Bible says. And I know that there's going to be subjects that it clashes with. So the thing I just um, let them know is that, you know, we differ on this. You don't have to agree with the Bible. Uh, I'm not trying to tell you that you have to believe what the Bible says. I'm just saying, here's what the Bible speaks about. Um, and so the other thing is, if a student asks me what I believe, you know, I'm, I can share that with them. Um, and that happens quite often just because it's the, the nature of the mm -hmm. um, course. But in no way am I trying to, um, they know I'm not trying to tell them to believe a way that I believe. And even the other thing that happens is even amongst like churches, you've got different belief systems. You've got Catholic, Baptist, and all over the map. Um, so I let them know very upfront that it's, if they don't agree, it's okay with me. And they know I'm really uh, very quickly, very early on, they understand that we're going to respect each other no matter what. And I've had in my class, I've had atheists, I've had agnostics, I've had a Buddhist. I actually had my very first year was a honest practicing witch. Uh, and that was made for a lot of interesting conversation. Um, just, and it, I found that to be like um, really refreshing when you were interacting with a lot of different belief systems like that. So they, they know that it's okay. Um, to differ, to share, to disagree, 
you know, so I've had them all over the map and that I actually enjoy that uh, about the class and the fact that there's, uh, that you have everything from people, you know, students that go to church to those that have no frame of reference for it and everything in between. So hopefully that kind of answers your question unless you need to follow up with that. Yeah. So within the school context under the Lake Norman administration in like the name of the class, it's called like a Bible history class, correct? Yes, it's a it's Bible history honors and then it's like one, two, three and four. So it, when you see it on the, uh, you know, when the kids are choosing the class, they they just see this number. One of the biggest confusions is they because they numbered them, they think they got to take them in sequential order. They don't. And, uh, they actually, uh, the uh, counselors have learned that they could take any part of the Bible. Um, so, uh, so when the kids see it, they, they see this number. So they have to read the description to understand um, this is what we cover. And like, just kind of what I talked with you, I kind of touched on a little bit. This is not a thing where we're <clears throat> trying to get you to subscribe to a certain belief we're just teaching the bible history kind of the context of <clears throat> in history so a lot of my outside readings on bible history classes I normally classify the classes as history or literature or religion and i know that you've said yours class is kind of a combination of all three of those but for somebody like if there was a a concerned parent or a, a concerned administrator how could how is the class that you're teaching like Sita's history and literature um, and the overlap there? Like, so if instead of taking a history class, they take this Bible class, and in a history class, like you can gain a lot of skills of writing or understanding historical context, or in literature, like the Bible is a book. Okay. So, like, so where's the overlap that, in your okay. class of that? One of the things that we show them is the story of the Bible coincides with historical events. Um, the other thing I will do is I will show them archaeology. Well, there's archaeological finds. There are, like, I'll show them maps of, okay, here is where the story of the Bible took place. And, you know, you know, the, mass, the vast majority of it's right there in the Middle East. So what I try to show them is, this is the part of the world that the Bible originated in. And there are historical events, um, I would say from the flood, you know, from the flood until, you know, present day um, that, I'm, I'm sorry, until, until the time of Jesus, excuse me, that you're, you're seeing history happening. The, the, you know, the Bible was happening as history was happening. So, you know, you have, for example, like one of the things that I will tell them from the very beginning, we go through how the Bible, the history of how the Bible was translated. You start with uh, Moses and you go through the history. Why was it translated from one language to another? Well, part of the issue was like when you get to Jesus time, you know, Rome rules the world. And so they had to translate a Hebrew Old Testament into a Greek, uh, Greek version because they forced the, the uh, uh, if you will, they, the government told them you have to do it in a language that we use because language, uh, common language was Greek. So that's when you get the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament hidden, uh, sorry, written, translated into uh, Greek. And then you, you know, of course the New Testament is written Greek. Well, then it goes from Greek to Latin, which when you get to that part of history, that's the dark part of history. 
because that's where you get uh, at that point, for example, Latin was only known by the priest. Well, the downside was the people in the churches didn't know uh, Latin, so they were trusting the priest to, uh, to teach them the Bible in a way, um, but they didn't know the language. And that's where you can, I get the story a little bit about uh, the selling of indulgences, which was, you know, people were, um, or try to say they were, uh, to get sins forgiven, they had to end up praying, paying priests, depending on the sin. And it wasn't until and you, you kind of follow through history, for example, um, when you get to the, when the printing press is invented and it gets put in English, then, you know, it's when you get to time Martin Luther Reformation, then it starts, they start realizing uh, the abuses that were taking place. So there's some good and bad throughout history uh, with that. Um, so I kind of showed them a little bit of that. The other thing that I let them know um, for the longest time, you know, the, the event of Jesus coming on the earth is, was considered the turning point in history. That's why you have BC and AD for so long. Now, I know we teach it more like, uh, what is it? Uh, the common era, I'm sorry, before common era and common era, but the belief for many years was that, you know, Jesus coming to the earth was the turning point. Um, and what I let him know, it's that there's not a debate about whether or not Jesus existed or not. It's the debate for people is whether he's God or not. Mm -hmm. And so what I let him know, there's, as you go through the history, um, you know, like, uh, when Jesus is, you know, like we're talking about this right now in my uh, Bible 2 class, we're coming right into the point where he's in the last couple of weeks of his life and uh, the trials that he went under the Hebrew government, I'm sorry, the, the, the Jewish leadership, and then he has trials under the Roman government and who ends up executing him. And that, that whole history is, uh, uh, there's outside resource, uh, so, or outside sources that, uh, that point to that. Um, so the other thing that will show them has how the spread of Christianity happens during uh, the, the early church. And it goes from Jerusalem, it gets spreading like through Asia, Africa, Europe. And that's about where you, you get the end of that. And uh, so it's sort of like saying, here's, here's what happened and here's, the context of history that's happened and you you know we could talk about even and we get into discussions about this you know like for example you have a lot of conflict in the middle east between um israel and the middle east nations you could take that all the way back to the story of abraham uh, and abraham has two sons uh isaac and uh, ishmael and uh isaac's uh born uh, is conceived through this wife named Sarah and Ishmael's consort conceived through this uh, slave girl named Hagar. And you can actually kind of, you could kind of, from a biblical perspective, you can translate the, or so you could trace the history of the conflict back to that event. Uh, so there's things like that that come into play that we talk through um, uh, as far as the historical context and, you know, whether, the, you know, it's up to them, whether they believe the you know, Jesus was, it's not, a, like I said, it's not a debate about whether or not he existed. It just really comes down to whether he was the son of God. And that, that's actually the whole reason for his execution is because he's claiming to be God's son. And you've got this, you know, 
segment of people that they have a hard time with that. And, you know, he's accused of that. He's accused of uh, what they call blasphemy because he was claiming to be God's son. So that kind of helps. Uh, hopefully that helps you understand some of the ways we can, you know, that we can talk about in the context of history. Uh, and there's a lot more, but those are just what's coming off the top of my head. That's really cool. And, and I know that I've heard that the Bible is one of the most well-documented historical books like it, it has more manuscripts and more like recordings than any other texts that we have in the world if you come in the room for example i've i've got two um bookcases and there is i'm trying to think i'm looking at one set of uh they're kind of like commentaries mm -hmm. and they there's like 20 something books in that set of commentaries i don't think you have any kind of book in history that has this much written about it. And it is still the most uh, produced copy uh, of literature uh, in the world. Uh, it's been, the other thing I, I let them know is the great efforts they go through to translate it into, um, into different languages. I, I don't know that, I've got a stat that I share with them. I think there's like 7,000 different languages that we know of. And we're about halfway through translating the Bible into there's those languages and there are active projects where people go, they learn a language and they try to figure out how to translate it into um, that language. So you don't see that with any kind of other literature where you would see the active uh, translations happening like you do with the Bible. Mm -hmm. So if, because it is so well like known and read and talked about um it's even like talked about within our like founding fathers and the like beginning of our country i know when i was in history class we would have a whole section on like uh the christians in america so like what is why is it in, in your opinion important and beneficial for high schoolers to take this class um okay so uh before I answer that, but just one other thing I was thinking about when you said that uh, about, you know, I do share that, I, I do share that with students about, uh, especially in our country's founding, how the, uh, the Bible is so much a part of the founding documents and the founding fathers. Uh, the other thing that I, I let them know, and I, I find this interesting, when I took like history in high school, you know, we had textbooks that talked about like the spiritual life of like George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. Well, those have been kind of sanitized out of the uh, history documents or the books, textbooks these days, because they, you know, the sensitivity to, like you said, separation of church and state. But let me go on here. Um, the reason why, let me answer why I think it's important. Um, what I try to do with the class that is important to me is I try to teach students to critically think about the issues that are occurring in their own lives. Um, the Bible has, outside of just the, the whole salvation issue, the Bible has a wealth of material um, that speaks to the current issues that teenagers deal with. Uh, it is also kind of helpful to understand how the uh, Bible, for them to understand how the Bible impacts the like if you were looking at people who aren't believers, well, this is how the Bible impacts their worldview. And the other thing, you, they can look at that and see, this is why you have, this is why uh, believers 
uh, hold the views that they do. And you can look at that and examine maybe their worldview. So here's what a believer may think. Here's what they think. So they can quickly think about that a little bit. Um, one of the ways that I do that, it's very interesting. We do Genesis. You know, very first thing you get into is the story of creation. And so one of the things I have them do, it's a writing assignment and I give them a lot of information. You got creation over here and you got evolution here. Well, a lot of people don't know. There's a lot of stuff in between where they try to um, uh, weave together evolution and creation. So I give them a number of different theories in between. And that's, I want you to write a paper of telling me what, how you think life begins. And I get everything. I get everything from, you know, to what, you know, the, the accurate, or sorry, the, not the accurate, the uh, literal account of the, what Genesis says. I get every, and then I get this evolution thing and I get everything in, <coughs> everything in between. And it's pretty cool to see how they think. And so it's a good opportunity for them to, what I want them to do is just make their case. Says it doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to criticize you. If you don't believe the way I do. I just want to know how you think. And it shows me how they're thinking. And I'm trying to get them to critically think about an issue like that. You know, what's the pros and cons of that? And there's pros and cons of believing in creation every bit as much as evolution, everything in between. So it's just a good way to get them to critically think about it. The other thing that uh, I think I was asked this question, I'm looking at the document, why they uh, take my course. Uh, they say they enjoy the course because I make it fun and enjoyable for them. Uh, it's very interactive. It's very discussion oriented. Um, they know that I care about them. I'm pretty transparent about my own life with them as far as issues like um, that we would talk about. Um, I have in that class, I will have just to help you so you can understand um, why the students take the course and why it's important for them. Um, they know I care about them. They know that I'm more concerned about where they're at than anything else. So I have within, in my class, I have students with church backgrounds, those that don't. I would say about, we kind of figured out it's an average, about 30% of the students don't have a church background, you know, like on average each year. And I have practicing atheists, uh, atheists, agnostics, Buddhists, like I said, closet and uh, open homosexuals, you know, uh, that are there. And, and they will all tell you at no time do they feel like I pressured or preached them. So what they know is what we do uh, as we talk about the issues that are relevant to them. Um, trying to think, you know, peer pressure, forgiveness, um, uh, Try to think their families. There's a lot of things that you could talk about, about things they're going through with their parents. I get a lot of opportunity to talk about um, depression, uh, suicide, because you could take, for example, like uh, King David, and there are periods in his life where he is under attack and he's feeling like giving up. When you read through the Psalms, I mean, it's, it's, there's some, some of the Psalms are very dark. And he's sharing how he's feeling. And this good opportunity to talk about when students go through uh, those troubling emotional times. We've had a lot of that, uh, particularly suicidal issues in our uh, through going through COVID. Uh, we had one student who took his life um, this year, matter of fact, on Christmas Eve. And you know that just that makes us keenly aware of that. So one of the things that I do. 
that is pretty cool. Like when they, they have to do uh, what's called verse of the day and every day there's a first day right now. And I ask them a question and sometimes it's just, what do you think this is saying? But sometimes I'll ask them a question like this. What is your greatest fear? Uh, what is, have you, if you've been depressed, what has it been like? And it's pretty amazing. That's the document of all the work that I will spend the most time looking carefully through because it's given me a window into what they're thinking. So I really like the fact that it's a place where the students can, because they know I care about them, that they can pretty much openly share. So I think that's the value is that <clears throat> they know I'm not gonna preach, but there's a lot of practical issues that we can deal with uh, yeah. when they come in here. So then looking at like your courses as a, as a whole and um, each individual class, are there any like practical skills and knowledge that the students gain by going through one or all of your Bible courses? One of the things, it, it, and it's for some students, this is the hardest part. If I lose students on this one, it's an incredible amount of reading that they have to do. Uh, so one is to be a disciplined reader. That's hard uh, for this generation because they are so... Uh, mm -hmm tech you know, into their tech and so having the the focus to kind of uh read through it and the other thing is the bible is such a difficult document to read and so that's what uh, the important that what i struggle with is the version that we give them we started out we can uh, actually change the version a little bit we started with the niv now we, we uh we do an english standard version which is kind of like a updated version of the king james which i think well, it is. King James is the hardest one to read. So it's real challenging. My, what I will do oftentimes, and I'm doing it right now with my uh, Bible for students, is I'm reading the message version, which is a paraphrase. And so one of the things that is pretty cool that I can do is I can give them different versions so they can understand um, the way it reads a little differently. And so reading is the, the hard one. Uh, so what I do with them now when they get the document, I try to highlight, say, here's some things I want you to pay attention to. Sometimes I will read sections to them. I will do a lot of scaffolding. Like when they go into a, a Bible passage, there's a lot of background information they need so they understand what they're reading. Um, and I have to do quite a bit of that uh, per unit and even per day, because sometimes they're gonna get into things like they're not gonna understand. So what I do on my end, is I try to give them a lot of background information so they understand what's going on as they read the material. You know, for example, like I'm going through the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And what most people don't realize is they don't really know, we don't know who wrote the book for sure. Um, but when uh, the writer is writing to a group of people, here's what they were, Jews that became Christians. And then where they're at they're being heavily persecuted and they're seriously thinking about becoming going from christianity to becoming jews again so what he's doing he's trying to make this argument how jesus is superior to all these uh, people characters in the old testament like the angels moses uh, some of the prophets he's trying to he's trying to convince them not to go off track and they're seriously thinking about to get the persecution off their back 
they're seriously thinking about going back to become Christians. So most people don't know that. So when they're reading through it, it helps them understand why this writer is making the case that they're making. Um, like if I go through uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what I'm going to do next week, for example, we're going to be going into Jesus uh, last week. And so I have to bounce around quite a bit. So I've created this timeline so they understand, you know, when Jesus comes in on Palm Sunday into the, to his uh, crucifixion, it, it, there's a lot of events that go on there and I'm going to be moving them through. So I have to do a lot of building up so they understand that. The second thing I try to do uh, is I try to teach them to think critically. Um, like, what do you think about this? Um, do you really think this is true? Uh, do you think this is believable? Uh, does this sound made up? Um, and I get everything all over the map on that. And it makes for really cool conversations. Third thing I do is I know there's a lot of students that have trouble vocalizing this. So I will give them like threaded discussions where and if you could think of like, uh, and you probably have done this at your school, but you know, they'll get a, I'll put a question out there and they will say, here's what I think. And they'll respond to what other students think. And they really like that just kind of, uh, taking that time to see what other students are thinking and, and, and interact with each other. So that's been a pretty cool part. It's kind of forced our hand to do that a little bit more. Um, and the third thing is that they, they got to, when they, when they read the Bible, and I think they should do this even when they're reading other literature is they got to understand every book was written for a purpose. So um, each writer and author kind of had an audience and a purpose in mind. So it helps them kind of think of what is he trying to say to his audience. And that's a, that's a, that's a thing that it, it takes a while to get them. So it's pretty cool when I get uh, students who have taken all four of my classes, they really have that in their mindset when they taken me the second, third time, and even the fourth time. So that's a pretty cool thing to, uh, to, to kind of teach them. And then, um, I do ask the questions like there are, you know, there's information questions um, that we go through um, the, the, the thinking that they do. But then there's other questions I will ask that are more um, get them thinking a little more deeper. And that's what I, when I can get them doing that, then I feel like I've succeeded. If they can, if they, they can think for themselves, that's a huge thing for me. I think it's really cool what you said about point of view and, in terms of like a literature class, like that is always a question is like, and in a history class, it's always like, who is the author? What are they trying to do? And who yeah. are they talking to? And that is a, something that even in college, I have had to uh, figure out and do and get better at because it totally changes the context of the book. Too, we do go through the genres because you've got like the first five books or law books. And you've got a number of them that are history books and you've got um, the poetic books. Uh, you've got the, uh, you, know, you get the New Testament, you've got the set of gospels, you've got the uh, letters, the epistles that Paul writes, you've got the letters that Paul wrote from prison, you've got the letters that were written, we call the general letters, and then you've got the Revelation, and then you've got the uh, uh, apocalyptic literature. So you've got things all over the map. And I'm, I always have a hard time. I'm going to, well, I'm thinking about this. My Bible four, the last week, we'll go through Revelation, which is nowhere near enough time, but it's one of the hardest ones to teach because 
apocalyptic literature, my goodness, is it, even in the churches, they're all over mm-hmm. what they think about that. So it's pretty cool to even walk them through the literature to help them understand, you know, this is why it sounds like this, this is why it reads like this. Uh, so yeah, even getting them through the genres is, is, you know, like you do like the book of Job, my gosh, that's probably the biggest challenge because it is uh, poetic language uh, and it's very hard to read and they're dealing with the subject of, of undeserved suffering. And so it's really a challenge. So we've had to kind of shorten that a little bit and just kind of help them understand here's what's happening. And then I'll give them the opportunity to read through What do you think that this speaker is saying? You know, there's three different uh, friends that are speaking to Joe and they're trying to explain to him, here's why you're going through this. And they're all saying something different. It's really kind of hard to uh, pick up on that. So yeah, it puts them through that, but it's not easy to do at times. In terms of you like being a teacher um, of like high school students, why do you continue to teach this course year after year? The older I get, the more I ask myself. <laughs> I'm like 58. Why do I do this? Now I would say this, you know, my, you got to understand, you know, I was a youth pastor for like 16 years of my life. And, you know, um, it was, is high school for me was a critical time uh, in my own life. And I share that very openly with my students. That's part of what drives me is because of what I had a track coach uh, and a youth pastor that were critical for me. And, and they just helped me through and I don't have time to go through all that. But because of that, that's where it all started for me. Um, I don't know why, but I just love being around high school students. And, you know, people look at me thinking, man, you're, 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 you're old to be doing this. And I am. Um, I've always loved teaching it, the Bible, when I was in the church setting, you know, whether I was a youth pastor, assistant pastor, or a pastor. Um, this has been a cool opportunity to teach the Bible. Um, I really love the students I have. Um, it's an opportunity for me to make an impact on their lives. Uh, and I'm, uh, that's the thing that um, I have students that I know I've made an impact on their life. And oftentimes I didn't even realize I was doing it. Sometimes I find out later uh, the significance that um, that time was. Not so much the information I gave, but it was just more that they knew I loved them. They knew I cared about them. And for some students, that was a huge deal. Um, So that would be the thing that really keeps me going um, is the fact that I know I'm making a difference in a student's life and, and probably more than I that I even realize, I, I got to be careful. I don't want to get, uh, I don't want to get arrogant about that. But it just, it's very satisfying to uh, know some of the letters I'll get or emails from students. Sometimes, many times, I'll get emails like students that are in their second, third year of college, and they'll talk about just some of the things that they felt like I did in this class. So, for me, it's not so much. I mean, I love teaching the Bible. It's more about the uh, relationships and the um, difference that I'm making in their life. Um, I get a lot of energy off of interacting with my students and how I can share and interact with their lives. I, I, I don't know why it just, it gives me great energy. And sometimes I, I do think I'm way too old to do this. And mm-hmm. I'm middle-aged, well, probably past middle-aged. I'm a bald old man. And, and sometimes I'm thinking, how can I even be 
relevant sometimes to uh, students because they are so different uh, from when I went to school. And I, admit, I thought about it this year, leaving me my 40, 40th uh, year uh, reunion of graduating high school. And so sometimes I feel like I, I don't know that I can, uh, I'm trying to say, I don't know that I can interact as well because I feel like I'd be very out of touch. But what I, uh, what I know is that if I just uh, get to know them, get to know their lives, that's kind of like the key difference maker. And that's just something I did in youth ministry. I, that's one thing I carried over in ministry to what I'm doing now is uh, part of my philosophy is um, how do I say this, that students want to know how much you care before they'll care about how much you know. And so I think that's a, what I keep hearing uh, is the kids that come back a second, third, fourth time is they just know how much I care about them and that I want to be part of their lives and help them. So um, that's why I teach the course. Yeah. And that would be your teaching philosophy then as that's well. That's part of it, but there's a little bit more, but that's the, the underpinning thing. You know, I want, the other thing I want the kids to be able to do is be able to think. If I, if I have a criticism over secondary education past high school is that it just feels like we've gotten away from kids thinking and listening to each other. And it's almost like, You've got this, and I could be way off, but it just, this is what it's coming across like. It looks to me like at a lot of colleges, there's this, this way we believe about stuff. And, and if you're a, uh, if you are a Christian believer, you know, there, there's, you know, you're pretty much not listened to anymore. You're kind of, and I think we get this thing where you get these extreme groups that are kind of going back and forth over each other. And it's like they're shouting past each other. And what I try to tell them, I said, guys, I hope when you get there that, that you will be able to have students, I'm sorry, that you will be have teachers and professors that will listen to you. You can listen to them. And if we at least respect each other, I think it's something we've lost. And I don't know when it happened. So one of the things I want to be able to tell them is, you know, if you, uh, if you're going to come out of this biblical base of, of, of the Bible, you're going to be challenged on it because uh, there's an increasing amount of thinking that's opposed to that. And the thing I, I think it's disappointing to see is that there's a, just equally in the church, there are people that are writing off people who think differently from them. And I think it would just be a, a helpful thing for everybody if we just learn to listen and it just saddens me when I see, uh, when I hear this talking heads on news that they, they're just not hearing each other. Um, and the other thing, the third thing is a big part, and I alluded to this, is that, they're, that they think about issues in their own life, like, you know, what kind of parents they're going to be, what kind of husbands and wives they're going to be, what kind of, um, you know, like you've asked them, for example, what do you want to do when you leave high school? I want to make money, you know? And I said this one day, I said, you know, you can either make a lot of money or you, you can make a difference. And I remember one young lady came up to me. She said, you know, Mr. Alden, you said that. She said, I decided right there I was going to be a teacher. And I had no idea 
you know, she was processing that. I was just trying to get them to think about something a little bit deeper uh, than the shallow stuff. So I like that when they can kind of address those issues. That's the part of the philosophy. I'm just going to ask you one more question. And that because you've been teaching this class like very successfully for many years now, um, if there was a new Bible teacher and you were in charge of, you know, giving mentoring them, what like what do you think the main piece of advice you would give that teacher would be in navigating this so, of Bible history? Okay. So what I would a couple and then there wouldn't be any one piece of advice, but one thing I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing if I would say to a young teacher is that you really need to love kids. And I say that because I do, but it's since I've been teaching, and I wouldn't say who this is in my school, but it amazes me teachers that are teaching because they don't, and they don't really like kids. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, it's just a job to them. Um, uh, teachers don't get paid probably what they deserve and I'm fine with that uh, when I was in ministry I didn't always make a great salary uh, I just did what I did because I love doing it so I would say the first thing is you really got to love doing it you really got to love kids um, the second thing is you and this and I alluded to this earlier is just that you really got to let kids know uh, how much you care about them because they uh, they really need that um, uh, I for me I think it's more important that the kids know, especially what we're going through right now, that I care about them, than they get an A in my class. You know, you know that's not um, the most important thing to me is not, and I know there, there are students that are grades are important and I'm not saying they aren't, but I think it's more, uh, it helps me to help them deal with some of the issues they're dealing with because a lot of the classes you know, like, for example, in math, you're not going to get the opportunity to, to talk about personal stuff. You know, it doesn't, you know, connect like that. And others, so that's why I love the class I get, because it gives me the opportunity to make connections with them. The Bible allows that to do that. Um, and I think that any, no matter what the subject you're teaching, if you can find ways to connect to where they're at, um, that's not always easy. The other thing that I'm learning, and this, I, I don't know how many I've said to you, but the other thing I would say, you got to keep learning. Um, and the thing that has been a, particularly that first year that I taught, <clears throat> you know, when I went from an affluent school to a alternative school to a, um, a, a poverty kind of school, that was like insanely different all day long. And I was shifting gears and it, uh, even though it was real challenging, I enjoyed that because it taught me how to understand cultures. For example, that um, Statesville High School, I, I got, I was more, um, more exposed to students, with different races and particularly the African-American and the Hispanic students. Uh, there were things about that culture I didn't understand even as a pastor. And so when I went into teaching, you know, they, you have all these things that you're trying to do this. Uh, we're trying to say these rules you're starting to enforce. And I realized <clears throat> it didn't take long for me to figure out I'm trying to teach students and get them to, to, to 
obey these rules, if you will, but I didn't know a thing about them. And so I had to learn how do you work with those students who have those challenges? And even here at Lake Norman, um, our demographic has shifted and we're not as this, um, when I try as affluent, we've got, uh, we're getting more diverse. We're getting more of the poverty. We're getting more learning issues. And so you've got to learn about the families. Um, so those are just some things. Um, there's probably a ton more things I, you know, like, like on practical, like in class that I would do, but I would say the things that undergird a, a new teacher, those will be like the things I would say that are to me have the most significance, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for answering all of those questions for us and giving us a little insight into a Bible history course. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mr. Ald about Bible history classes and how they work and what they look like in a public high school. As you can see from our conversation, Mr. Ald takes an approach to Bible history classes that's more personal and full of facts, but really his goal and purpose is to get students to think about themselves and uh, what they think about the world. From my understanding, these classes often tend to be a little bit more religious than historical or, or literary based, but I can still see the benefit to high school students in taking a class like this. Mr. Ald explained some of the practical skills that can come about uh, that I also agree can be very helpful in a school environment. I think that learning more and more about Bible history classes and benefits and hard lines that can't be crossed is important if we are going to continue to have these classes in our public school systems. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and learned a little bit about our public schools.